Hello, everyone, and welcome back for week three, or our third episode of the Lunatic Sports Podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, please drop a like and or follow us so you can get future sports content for St. Louis. Uh, here with me, I've got my co-host and producer, John Love, and as always, I'm your host, Tyler Edwards. John, what do you got for us tonight? Oh, I've got a lot for us tonight. First, you know, cannot wait to talk all about that wild game against Dallas tonight, which in some ways was frustrating and in other ways was just just ridiculous and hilarious to watch. And I kind of wish I was not a fan of St. Louis just so I could be like, what the hell is happening during the whole game? Um, and then, you know, talk a little bit about Orlando and, you know, look ahead to Derby Q 2.0 with Kansas City. Um, yeah. One, go ahead. Oh, so yeah, and uh, want to apologize to anybody who's watching the video and has to witness my uh, abomination of facial hair this week has uh, gotten trouble for fit testing at the other hospital and had, at my hospital and had to do that and shave off the beard. So I apologize to anybody who has to see this. Uh, yeah, you know, I've I've been really lucky that I am I am on the list at both of the hospitals I work at to get N95 fit tested, and neither one of them have made me do it yet because it hasn't really mattered for my job. So. I uh, do not have to have that abomination of facial hair yet. But you know what's even better than the abomination of the facial hair? Matching training kits that are yes. awesome. These are so awesome. And not just because they're for a good cause. And I'm going to stand up so everyone can see it. It's backwards because reverse mirror images. It says Cape Childhood Cancer. Um, every All the profits from every jersey sold are going to go to the Children's Oncology Group and from performs research on pediatric cancers and how to treat them, which is awesome. And then also it's marble themed and it it's just, it's a clean look and there's like faces built into it. It's just, it's just awesome. And I think as soon as these drop, you and I were immediately messaging each other, like that we had to have them. They are, they are really sharp. Love that. Oh, oh, I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, they were great. They're for a good cause. More importantly, they feel great. They look great. Uh, only only complaint I had was that I had to drive down to actually go pick them up rather than them be able to be shipped uh, at the initial launch, but that's okay. Yeah. I also just realized that we don't have the same pattern, I don't think, or at least not the exact same pattern. Yeah, I didn't notice that until you said that. And I, I did also catch that also on the mirror image thing. So anybody who actually watches the video, it'll read just fine. You just see an awkward mirror image of yourself. So uh, isn't that exciting? Just to confuse you a little more. Yeah, yours yours is the right way. You're, you're right. So, all right. Let's move on. Let's move on to Dallas. Okay. So what were your initial thoughts about that game? What's the first thing you think of for that game? I think about how well our new pickups played and how well they looked fitting into the the system now, finally. Absolutely. I had yeah. concerns over how well Markanic, Thorson were going to pick up the press when, when you're coming into play with guys that have been playing in this system all year. Mm -hmm. uh, and even before that, even since last year, really. So to see them come in and, and really pick that up and look really good, uh, that was exciting for me. And that really stood out to me. Yeah. That really did. I was, you know, it's fitting that both of our goals this game came from both of our new pickups uh, during the window. And I know we're going to talk a lot about mechanic, especially. Um, 
tonight, but uh, yeah, just it, it was just perfect. Um, you know, you could not have written a better better story on that. Uh, the other thing that comes to my mind, and I, I think it's impossible to talk about this match without mentioning this first, really, is a goalkeeper red like twelve minutes into the game, and like I was watching that, and it happens, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, they're gonna they're gonna send them off. They're gonna send off the first goalkeeper. Oh my god! And then at that exact moment, my daughter was like screaming, like that she had to go to the bathroom. And my wife is sick tonight, so she was, uh, you know, kind of on bed rest, essentially trying to sleep it off, I guess. And so I just like I'd like pause the feed and then go take care of my of my daughter, and then come back and see like what ended up happening with it the rest of the way. Um, and yeah, I just I could not believe it, and. A few minutes after it happened, I, my wife gets up and comes out to get a drink of water. And she asked me, you know, hey, do you think we're going to gonna win? And I said, oh, my God, we better win. They just sent off the, the first string goalkeeper. And then they had a burn sub bringing down the second one. It's only like 10 minutes into the game. And as soon as I said that, my next thought was, oh, no, they're going to sit in a low block. And we struggle against low blocks. And they're going to make us have the ball the entire game. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. I had cons similar concerns when they sent him off. It was excitement followed by this could be painful for us because we can't have been shown that we're susceptible to the counterattacks and those quick counterattacks. Mm -hmm. I thought we did well in possession tonight. Uh, there were some things yeah. that we really could have improved on. I would sure. we'll talk about that. You know, I've got that markdown to kind of highlight those things as we get to them. You know, so there were some good things. And speaking of being sick, uh, I apologize to any listeners who, if you hear me cough or anything, uh, I myself have been under the weather. Uh, so uh, my voice isn't quite what it normally is and uh, trying to work through that on my end. You know, it's no it's no Jordan playing in the finals with the flu, but you know, it's close enough. It's basically the same thing. For me, yeah, it's pretty much the same. Pretty much the same thing, yeah. Um, <clears throat> One of the other things I noticed it was right before the goalkeeper got that red, but there was like a, a through ball or something, and, and Yarrow and, and one of the forwards for Dallas were chasing it, and it was clear it was going to go out of bounds, um, and it was going to be a goal kick if, if nobody touched it. And I don't know if you saw, but Yarrow just like straight up stiff-armed the forward to like pull them off. And I, I was just like, that dude is like a brick wall, right? Like, just like looks like he could easily play in the NFL if he just would like stop running and drink some more protein shakes. Like could easily be an NFL <laughs> linebacker. Just needs to put on like forty or fifty pounds and he's there. You know, I agree. He's he's built like it. Uh, yes. We'll see. He's got a second career if he wants to. Maybe he'll be that kicker who's laying people out. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, you what the time wasting? Yeah, the time wasting was awful. So I was gonna was gonna bring this up. I saw you already had it written down before I got to the document uh, for tonight. So they were awful tonight. Dallas, the way that the time wasting, the st stupid things they were doing, the stupid yellows that they took, and the ways that they took them was, I mean what are you guys thinking? Like they're in a playoff hunt, right? They're trying to get a top seed. Like we're trying to get the top seed. Right. They're trying to be top four, right? They want that home field advantage. They're pushing for that. 
why would you do so much crap to potentially put that in danger yeah. for with all those yellows? Because now you have all those guys who are one yellow closer to missing a game for a suspension. I mean, it's right, right. to me it was it was idiotic. Speaking of idiotic, um, <laughs> we had the the yellow card on our end there at the end of the game with Vasilev Indy doing the exact same thing. It's like, what are you thinking? You've seen, you've already seen them giving out yellows for this. Like just, just move on with it. And so, you know, it's just stupid things as we're getting close to the end of the season. Right. Right. Well, you know, and the one that actually stood out the most to me for the time wasting was one that didn't even get a yellow. It was the left back who kicked in the extra ball. Right. Like I was like, that's a yellow card every day of the week. Right. And all he got was a warning. Like, come on. Like, that is, that is blatant. It's confusing to everyone who's playing, which ball to to play. Like, I just could not believe that that did not get a a yellow. Um, So we get through first half, right? And we survived the first half. We should have, we had the opportunity to score a couple of goals, but really we looked lost trying to break that low block they put in in the first half and really didn't generate a lot of chances. Uh, second half, maybe our boy BC uh, read our script for tonight uh, and Carnell about needing to be able to sub more quickly or be able to change the game and the way the games are playing with subs earlier on rather than, you know, waiting till the 60th or 70th minute for your first sub or wait for the other team to sub first. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we bring in three three subs. Uh, we bring in Markanic, uh, left back for Hebert. We brought in uh, Torreson on the left for Stroud. And then up top, uh, we pulled off Big Sam. Mm-hmm. And who did we... We brought in Indy. Um, we brought in Indy, yeah. So, yeah. you know, good subs. Three guys who can play really well. And again, I... I'm always excited. I was excited to get to see more of Marcanic play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of things that I wanted to talk about with our defense and our who should be playing for defense. And I think he answered some more questions for me tonight in, in a good way. Uh, what about the very start of the second half, though? And their wonderful player uh, may or may not have tried to get in the way of Berkey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was. Also, just it, well, the best part about it was how he then acted like Berkey got in his way while he was. And then, like, you show it on the replay, and he's, like, very clearly, like, slowing his walk to, like, match Berkey. And then as soon as Berkey, you know, pulls his arm back to, to you know, drop it and kick it, he just runs right into it. And I was like, that's... Oh, it was, it was bad. seeing through that. Like, that is so bad. You have to at least, like, attempt it. <laughs> like, to throw to, like, uh, you know, Sell it, and that was just that was horrible. That was just so bad. Um, yeah, that there was that. I was really happy to see the subs, you know, come in, and not only to come in, but to immediately impact the game. And I think it added some, you know, dynamism to our lineup and how we were going. Um, I really liked, you know, Thorson and Markanic uh, as subs here because. One of the things that we've seen from Mechanic over Hebert is Hebert tends to play deeper, uh, whereas Mechanic is more willing to, to, you know, he's a more traditional left back. He's going to run up and he's going to bomb in crosses. And that and that's like what we've been missing out of that position all year. And especially whenever we're looking at a team who is playing eight guys closer to their goal than Parker normally lines up, 
like like we need that we need to be sending balls in and just creating chaos that we can capitalize on um and then i was also really happy with torsen because and i think we talked about this uh, in our first episode but with torsen one of the things that if you look at his highlights that you'll see is that he has a penchant for scoring uh from outside the box right and it's fair and you know i kind of thought like man if we're going to score it's going to be torsen or Leuven just ripping one from outside the 18 and it's just going to curl into the back corner and that's going to be it. And both of them had, had some pretty close ones. AZ had a really close one too. Uh, that was phenomenal. That, that one on the Bali. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. If that had gone in, that would have been, he'd have been sold tonight. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It was exciting to see watching Torreson cut in from the left side and just barely missed that. He lost his footing just a little bit as he took yeah. that shot. I think if he keeps his footing, yeah. we we potentially go up one nil there. Yeah. You know, one of the frustrating things for me with AZ tonight and Big Sam as well, um, those two really seemed to get close to the goal. And it was, I'm taking the shot and it doesn't matter. And if you watch, mm-hmm. there's a lot of times you have Leuven waving and flagging for the ball and right. he is wide open with nobody on him. And it's like, just just get your head up, guys. Uh, and and we're just not there and and it's i love big sam and i love az but tonight it almost felt like i they wanted to be the hero and they at home and they wanted to be that difference maker right and trying to do all the things and it's sometimes it you know what do we love leuven for it's all the chances he creates it's not always necessarily that he's the one scoring the goal i love the fact that the guy had three assists against austin had another one tonight right he knows what he's doing and he he knows how to create chances. And I think we missed out on some chances for that. And I think that's yeah. a big reason why big Sam probably was subbed off. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, I have kind of two, two thoughts on that. Number one, I noticed that as well from Stroud and Hebert, both uh, were doing the same thing where you'd have Lubin like, you know, gesturing for the ball, like pretty much wide open. I'm in a good position to start linking up, you know, with multiple guys, depending on how the, the defensive line moved. Um, but instead they pass it back to Parker or, or whatever. And like even in Stroud a couple of times, like I swear to God, he had to have seen moving gesturing for the ball. Like he, he was right there. But this, this is where, you know, I get into my frustrations with Hebert and Stroud both. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've both been really good for us. They've both done great things for us this year. Mm-hmm. But they, when they are on the ball, they have the ball at their feet both look absolutely lost and panicked at times. Mm-hmm. And we used to have Markanic come in tonight and Markanic with the ball at his feet looks like it was meant to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks comfortable. He looks like he knows what he's doing. He doesn't panic. He puts the ball in the right places. And I think that in and of itself is a huge perk mm-hmm. to having somebody like Markanic on the yeah. left back, especially if you want them to be able to push up and play more mm-hmm. forward. Right. You can see why, why Luke's wanted, Right. He gets the ball and he's immediately looking for what's the fastest way to get it to net. You know, I can't, you know, it seemed like every time he had it, he was running in the space with it. And, and being a left back, he's going to get it a lot because we recycle possession, you know, recycle it from one side of the field to the other. And, and you know, it, he definitely looks like he's adding another dynamic. And, you know, I really kind of thought he was going to start tonight. I was, I was really surprised that he didn't start tonight. <clears throat> but I do kind of, Wonder if he's going to start on on Saturday this week against Kansas City. Um, I think he's earned it. You know, he he assisted in the last game. He scored tonight. Um, and not only that, but like it's it's clear that he's a more natural left back. 
Um, and I think, I don't think it's a fitness thing for him. I think maybe it's a getting comfortable with the other guys and how everyone plays. So that way you're not like caught out of position because you, you know, it's, it's not FIFA, right? You can't just like sub guys in and like everything worked fine. Like they have to actually understand how each other plays. Yep. Do you like that? Uh, I know. I, I, I appreciated that reference, but <laughs> I think Marcanic has earned it. The only thing that I could see, I could see Nelson playing Saturday just for the fact that Marcanic's played the last two games. And I could see Marcanic coming in at halftime again or playing the first half and then coming out. Um, I'm not sure that he plays the whole game, but I agree. I think he's earned the opportunity to at least show us if he can play the whole game there and, and not let up. Worst case scenario, though, when you've got somebody like Hebert, Hebert's not not going to be your ideal fit at left back long term. He just isn't. It's not his style. It, he gets pulled in. He you, he collapses on things. We've talked. We, you and I have had long conversations. He collapses on things a lot of times, like a center back would. Right. And it doesn't have quite the same awareness that you would want from a left back on what's going on outside right. of him. Right. Um, and then having the ball at his feet, he looks panicked. And you think about our other center backs, um, you know, and. I think about Hebert losing the ball that almost led to that first goal. You know, he looked panicked with the ball at his feet and lost the ball. And all of a sudden they almost scored a goal because he tried panically tried to play it back to Parker and just played a through ball to their forward. Um, And so even Parker, Nielsen, you know, Marcanic, those guys are all comfortable with the ball at their feet. And when Hebert and Stroud, those really the only two guys that we play regularly when the ball is at their feet, I get nervous. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with any of that. Um, and I think that's one of the things about Nielsen and Parker that really make them, you know, great additions for our team is that they're very smooth. Uh, you know, like they're very much like Blum and the fact that they can make these tackles that, like, you know, most people in MLS can't make. Um, but then when they win the ball back, like they're very comfortable with it. And same thing with Berkey, right? Put the ball at Berkey's feet, and he's like, he doesn't care. He could probably be a field player. <laughs> like, honestly, he, he's that good with his feet. Um, I am glad that Berkey has stopped trying to deke out opposing forwards. He has not done that in quite a while, and I'm very thankful for that because every time he did it, I, you know, immediately, like, cringed inside because I just thought that it was just going to get stolen from him and, you know, kicked into a wide-open net. Um, but, yeah. Um, let's talk about the goals, though, because they were so far. And I want to talk about, well, our goals. The other goal was not. Dallas's goal yeah. stuff. But yeah, let's So the first one, right, was nice. It was a pretty caught cross. We got the ball back. It was a, a second cross effort, I believe, or a second chance kind of rebound that was turned into a cross. And it's just Marcanic seeing the ball coming and just running through, just trying to get, and this is what I, I've talked about before, is you just have to get a body part. You don't, It doesn't have to be pretty. Get a chest, a knee, a head, foot, thigh, anything but your hands or arms, unless you're Diego Maradona, in which case then you can also use your fists. Um, of God. <laughs> hey, man, if you didn't know, the God's ambidextrous because he did it twice with both hands in two different World Cups. Yes, but sold it <clears throat> both times. <laughs> but uh, I think just the composure there just to make sure you get a body part, you just redirect it on goal and those tight spots was huge. Yeah. The second goal though, I think highlighted uh, two things that we we've been missing recently. Mm-hmm. The first thing 
is how much defenses focus in on a certain German slash Brazilian player, uh, our Brazilian Klaus. <laughs> that if you watch the play and you watch the replay, he did a beautiful deke, and I you mentioned it in here, and you and I've talked a little bit, but beautiful, beautiful fake out. He knows that Thorson is coming on, mm-hmm. and the entire defense is focused on him. And the second thing I want to highlight here is Thorson's absolute calm and poise and just, I know I just need to put this ball on net and we're good to go and not trying to do too much. Let me just take an easy shot, redirect, put it on goal and move on with my life. Mm -hmm. And too often I see players on our team trying to do too much Mm -hmm. when they get close to the goal. And here it was, let me just touch it in. (laughs) Right. Pass it in. You know, just just pass it in. Nice and easy. Yeah, it's all in the hips. It's all in the hips, right? It really is all in the hips, though. But you know what I loved about the first goal so much was just kind of like I just had like flashback to uh, Alm's goal in Orlando because in Orlando, Marcanic, you know, makes that great run in and recovers it like on the touchline and sends it back in, and Alm comes running in and just gets you know some body part on him. I didn't, they never even showed how he sent it in because they were too busy trying to figure out a mechanic, you know, could, you know, save the ball from going out of bounds. But then on this one is kind of the same thing, but their roles are reversed. You had on sending it across and then you just had mechanic getting like a knee on it and sending it straight into that. And I just kind of love that. Like seeing that it was, you know, the other day is mechanic assisting on the tonight. It was on assisting mechanic. The other thing I really I, liked. Oh, go ahead. I was like, I think that's great. Uh, all as a whole needs to be in our starting 11 every week if we're wanting to win. I agree. He, he's, you know, he kind of plays the same way as Big Sam on opposite sides of the field. But the thing is, is that there are a lot of times where Big Sam has disappeared, right, with it, where if, if no one else is sending the ball that way, and maybe that's just the way we've naturally been playing because Watts and Alm are, are a little bit more comfortable with their feet. Than, than Hebert and Stroud are, right? Um, and then that could be it. Um, but you've got <laughs> you've got Alm always creating space on the right and just trying to get those runs in every time. Um, but the other thing I really liked about the second goal, so Klaus comes in, right? And we're kind of thinking like, okay, so like, what are we going to do here? How are we going to, you know, restructure, right? And the First shot you see of Klaus like on the field. Well, first off, you see him hand a piece of paper to Leuven, and I'm like, "This is wonderful. This is like in five seconds they're gonna know what we're doing." So, but like we're gonna like hand it on a piece of paper and like pass it around so everyone like on our team knows that they can't like find out yet. But is that when they line up, you immediately see we have a three man front line, and who's playing right wing? Eddie Leuven. Yeah, and I saw that, and I was like, "Oh, oh." kind of like that I think mm-hmm. this is this is designed for one thing and one thing over deliver that's crosses. to put balls in the net yeah <laughs> right 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 and sure enough that's what it was it's it's Edu getting that ball driving deep into the right wing and delivering it through and then Klaus just like the cell on it like everyone thought like oh yeah Klaus is just gonna rip a banger right here into the top corner and nope just lets it go right on through and there's Thorson just Passing it into the net. I thought the formation change, which is something that 
Carnell has been resistant to make mid game in the past or during the games was exactly what we needed when it happened. Yeah. Yeah. We pulled off Watts and, and Watts ran his ass off tonight. Mm -hmm. So no, no problem with Watts as a whole, Mm -hmm. but then you have Blom shift back a little bit. You've got Indy and you've got, you know, you've got a strong, you got Indy Alm and uh, who else do we have still in the uh, AZ? AZ was, came off for Ostra. So AZ was still in the midfield at that point then. Right. Um, so you have Indy, AZ, and Alm in the midfield. Alm drops back just a little bit mm-hmm. to allow Leuven, Klaus, and Thorson. And Thorson, if you have read the scouting reports on him, you know that he was at his best in a three-man front on the left side. Where did he right. get his first goal for us? In a three-man Man front, front from the left side. Yeah. So th- there's there's no mistaking that there was this was to shift the offensive game plan a little bit and really put yeah. some pressure on to try to get that goal and get the win. And yeah. I thought it was the I thought it was the right move by Carnell and it was something I was excited to see him do where I feel yeah. like he's been more reluctant to do that kind of thing previously this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I do think I think we do a good job of coming out to start the game in different formations, but I agree. I don't think we've done as good of a job of, of changing it as much in the middle of the game. Uh, and I thought tonight our subs, and I think this has been happening a lot lately. It's just like we've looked at our best when we've drawn our subs, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, and I do think part of it is that we have a very pacey team and they're running on tired legs. You know, we're bringing on fresh ones and they're just running on a tired ass back line. Um, but also, like, I think we've got a good mix of players now that, that excel in different areas. And I think that that's part of why we see some success lately is because we're able to say, like, okay, this is how, you know, we are struggling to beat this team right now or how this team is struggling to beat us. Okay, we're going to bring this sub on, and that's going to, like, who can actually tackle that for us. Um, the one issue we have, and we've talked about it several times, and we're going to talk about it again with Orlando, uh, is that we uh, – <clears throat> often are too late with subs, which is not the issue tonight because, you know, BC watched our podcast last week and, and he adapted and we appreciate him doing that. I'm glad that BC is a fan, to be honest. Maybe we can get him on here. Yeah, maybe yeah, we should. I wonder if we can get him to, like, give us a shout-out at a press conference or something. One last thing on Alm. I know we've talked about it a lot, and the guy just has an absolute motor. He never stops. That red card that sends off their goalie that changes the game mm-hmm. never happens without his motor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great call out. Great call out. Yeah. That their goal. I, the only reason that I'm really upset about their goal is just because it lost Berkey the clean sheet. Right. It was a uh, we're in the 95th minute of five. So we're in the last minute of stoppage time. Mm-hmm. Berkey just couldn't quite hold on to it when he went down to catch the ball our center backs just had fallen asleep. It was the end of the game. It is what it is. It shouldn't have happened. It did happen. Um, but forward. it didn't, it wasn't going to cost us a game and I'm not that worried about it, but it is what it is. Right. And you know, the other thing to think about with it, I guess, is that, okay, enough shots on that. Eventually this is going to happen, right? Like this happens at all levels. Eventually it's just going to happen. And and exactly like you said, it happened on a meaningless goal in garbage time in a game that we had already wrapped up. And, you know, it, it sucks that we didn't get that clean sheet for Berkey. Um, but it's like, you know, just kind of disappointed as we are, 
with that, like no one is going to be more disappointed than him. And like that's that's all there is to it. Like he held himself to a higher standard than any of us ever could, uh, and we're still just just really really lucky to have him. So I agree. All right, let's move into our uh, next thing. Sure. Before so we've got we go... t- 10 second yes or no, uh, yeah. and you've moved it up this week, so it's not at the end. So what do you got for me this week? Okay. 10 second yes or no. St. Louis City SC fans are rowdier than St. Louis Blues fans. As yes. You think so? I think so. I, are we talking currently or overall? Because overall, I, I guess. So looking to last year's Blues fans, right, when they're not yeah, at the top of the standings, right? When the Blues are at the top of the standings and City is, and with City at the top of the standings, I'd put that supporter section at City up against a supporter section of the Blues fans, not in a fight, but in cheers. And a fight I'm it taking the Blues hockey. fans. Yeah, it is still yeah. hot. No, no doubt. So <laughs> The backstory for this is I was on vacation this week and um, we stopped in on our way to the lake uh, at this restaurant that we love in Springfield. And I'm wearing this hat, this exact hat, actually. And a guy comes up and stops next to me and, and says, oh, you know, are you a, a St. Louis fan? Are you from St. Louis? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm from St. Louis. And he goes, oh, I've got blue season tickets. And I I drive out there all the time, but man, I just got to say, ever since that soccer team came, I can't get anywhere in downtown and you guys are rowdy. It's always a party. And I don't know, how, like, you know, it's kind of upsetting to me. This is like an, an older gentleman. And I was like, sir, have you ever been to a blues game? Like, I know you said have, you have, have tickets, but have you ever actually do you, gone? Do you know who Brett Hole is? Because that's all you need to know. Right, exactly, exactly. It Brett Hull could take uh, down the entire supporter section by himself at St. Louis City. Absolutely. But, you know, he's going to be three bottles of whiskey deep when he does so. Did you get the guy to follow our podcast so he could learn more? Um, I did not. I, I don't know if he knows how to what a podcast is. Uh, like I said, this was <laughs> a gentleman. Um, apparently, and this you know, this was at like 1 o'clock on, on Friday. He goes, yeah, we we go to St. Louis almost every weekend, um, even before, even on games when the Blues aren't playing, because we like going to Maggie O'Brien's. Have you ever been there? It's really good. And I was like, of course I've been to Maggie O'Brien's. It's delicious, <laughs> right? And he's like, yeah, yeah. We just wrapped up lunch and uh, we're heading up to St. Louis right now to get that for dinner. <laughs> like it was leaving the restaurant to go to Maggie O'Brien's in St. Louis, three and a half hours away. I was just like uh, blown away. All right. Do you have another one or no? No, no, I do not. I have a 10 second yes or no for you. Mm-hmm. If you can only pick one of these two players to put in your either on the roster for game day, who do you pick? Okay. Stroud or Celion? <laughs> well, I know who you pick. And I, I know why you use this because you want to use this to talk about it. We'll talk about it more later. You know who I'm going to pick, but I'm, I'm a Celio fan. Through and through. He's, again, possibly my favorite player on the whole team. I love the guy. Right. But I want to hear your opinion. Stroud or Sally, you um, got to pick one. It's playoff time. You can only pick one to have on your roster for game day. Not saying starting or bench, but just you can only have one. Who is it? I'm, I'm choosing Stroud. And I'm choosing him because I can play him on the left or the right side. 
um, in, in a wingback or a fullback role. Um, and I'm not saying I start him necessarily, but I do think I would keep him for flexibility in that regards because um, because you can line him up in several spots and you don't necessarily like you can change the formation without having to like stop him out or anything like that. Um, like if someone else gets injured, whatever we've seen in Stavros comes in up and right back and bring Celio to play left wing. Um, but I can't disagree with Celio because he also dribbles in a way that, that only Ostrak really likes to bring the ball up. Yeah, I don't know. Got a lot of thoughts there. But that was a good one. So I I like what you said about Stroud being able to play in a lot of different places. I think my piece is that we have so many solid defensemen that I don't need another player who can play on the, the back line. I need somebody who opens up opportunities either left, mid, right, uh, mm -hmm. midfield, or forward, and that brings me additional attacking opportunities and is comfortable on the ball because in a close game, I need somebody who can actually play on the ball, especially as a sub, because I don't think either one is breaking the starting 11 right now. Mm -hmm. But I want the guy who, if I bring them in and I need them to play the ball and not do something stupid or look panicked. I want Celio every time. And yeah. every time I see Stroud play the ball, and if it's a close game in the playoffs and we need to bring in a sub and we need to change a pace guy, yeah. I want it to be Celio. I don't want it to be Stroud. Right. I'm laughing because you said, if I'm going to bring someone in who I know won't do something stupid. And I'm like, I fucking love Jared Stroud. Oh yeah. No bleep podcast. Sorry. No warning this time. I love Jared Stroud. And, um, <laughs> But God, he does some some stupid antics, and that's why I love him so much. But like some of the yellows he takes, I'm just like, why did you even try? Like like his yellow tonight, I'm like, why did you even try to to steal that ball? Like that ball was already past you when you even attempted. And it's the lack of awareness because I think it was Az Jackson at the time was right there getting ready to cut the run off anywhere. It's like you had somebody there ready to do it. So yeah, yeah, I agree. So off our 10 second yes or no, uh, let's roll over into Orlando for a minute. Yeah. And we've got so a lot of those. <laughs> there, there, there's, there's a lot here in Orlando, so we'll try to we'll try to hit the high points here. <clears throat> I thought it was an interesting start to put Watts at center defensive mid, although as you pointed out, that is his former position. Mm -hmm. I did not realize that uh, until you had actually pointed that out to me. I thought you had an interesting question here. So what was what were you thinking on where we're better at? So, I mean, we really just have no answer when Blom is out. And that's that's something that we have to figure out for next season. And I think we have two options um, because we have Perez and we have Max Snyder who both play, you know, a defensive midfield, but they're also both right now not necessarily ready for MLS level. Um, but then the question kind of becomes, are we better with Watts as a central defensive midfielder and Urwinski at right back? Or are we better with Perez as central defensive midfielder and Watts as right back? Or, and there's a third option that I did not put in the notes, but I think this is the actual best answer. Are we best with, um, right now, best with Indiana Vasila as a defensive midfielder and Watts at right back? That's where I think we're actually probably the best. Um, but yeah, yeah, what are your thoughts? I think we're best there. I think it's 
when you mentioned Perez, he's not somebody that we've really talked about a whole lot in our podcast. Since the break, we haven't seen him. Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't broken a lineup since uh, Nashville, maybe, which was the last time Blum was out before this. So part of me wonders with the, the new people we have with Marcanic and with Thorison, if we're not going to see much of Perez the rest of the way. So hometown kid, I'd love to see him. I love the way he plays. He's not there. I feel like his biggest piece is that he's not there physically, right? Mm-hmm. You he look at Blom and and you look at the way that even though Blom's a little guy, he is commanding his presence and he you know he is on you. Again, people I still think when after players play against Blom, they have nightmares for multiple weeks of Blom showing up and taking the ball from them. Right. Absolutely. But but I agree, I think we're best. If we put Vasilev mm-hmm. at at center defensive mid, or even put put Indies with uh, Leuven and let the mm-hmm. two of them kind of play off each other more in a more back, mm-hmm. and letting somebody like an AZ Jackson push up in the center, right? And that's kind of the lineup we did a lot early in the season when Blom, you know, had his issues getting on the field with his visa and then getting COVID and and you know trying to build up the fitness twice and then you know hurt his quad the one time or his hamstring or whatever at Seattle and um, we did do that a lot and then it's kind of like they sometimes they'd move Indy forward and put Perez in but but they did that a lot with that double pivot and I think you know when it comes to that we are so much better when we have a double pivot structure uh, with Eddie Lubin playing deep next to a defensive another defensive midfielder who's playing more of a six and Lubin's more of an eight um, every time we we play the diamond, I just end up getting so frustrated because I feel like it's, especially because Lubin always plays on the left side of the diamond. And because of the issues we already talked about with um, Hebert and Stroud, the ball just naturally progresses up the right side of the field a lot. And I mean, Lubin is supposed to provide that kind of balance, but the ball just naturally moves away from him with that. And then we're taking, you know, who has clearly been our best field player in the absence of Joao Klaus, just completely out of the game because of the formation we're using. Um, and that's been kind of a real frustration for me every time we run out the diamond, um, which is what we did against Orlando. We ran out a 4-4-2 diamond. I agree with that. And I think part of that is understanding that we have a very strong uh, issue on the left side that we're, looks like we're trying to, we tried to correct during the transfer window. And right. after tonight, I'm thinking we might have at least one, if not two solutions there. So maybe that fixes that, but I think we've been at our best so far when we can run, you know, you know, a four, essentially kind of like a four, four, two, but more realistically, it's like a, I don't know exactly. It's more, it's different than a four. It's a modified four, four, two is what we've been rolling out. Mostly, you know, when we had Klaus and and Giochini both playing, Mm -hmm. So I we think it's like the four two two two, where we had like the two defensive midfielders close, and then the two left and right midfielders, you know, wider ahead of them. Yeah, and I think that's that's where we've been at our best. Um, but I think there's some things that could change that moving forward, and one of which is my favorite thing from the Orlando game: getting to watch Nielsen play and watching him be 
unleashed. everything we were promised, right? The way that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm he, I'm not sure actually how fast the guy is because I haven't just seen him have to open up and do it, run, mm-hmm. because he's always in the right spot the whole game. Right. Right. He was always right there, ready to challenge. So he wasn't getting beat. I don't know if he's, you know, got top end speed or anything, but the way that he plays, he didn't need it, even if he needed, if, if, it were, if he doesn't have it. Right. Right. Um, yeah. My, I've got a couple of thoughts on that. Number one is I doubt he can't be slow. I mean, he's a Swedish national team player and the Swedes are not, you know, a pushover national team. Like, I mean, yeah, they don't always break out of Europe to make it to a world cup, but they're, they're still a good team. Like they're compar- they're competitive in, in European competition. Um, and so you don't break into that team if you can't move. Yeah. But also, like does said, Europe it, have very many good teams though? Oh well, you know, just like a couple of good teams. But then, like you know, South America's got Brazil and Argentina, and you know, then of course you got the U.S. Obviously, the world's best team. So. And everything, uh, of course, and every, always. And everything, always. Back-to-back World War champs. So, but the other thing with it is, is exactly what you said. His instincts are just spot on every time. One of the things I am very interested in having gotten, you know, an extended chance to watch him is it seems like he plays um, rather aggressive as a center back and, and he pushes up more and mm-hmm. Parker does the same thing, and I think that's part of what allowed Yarrow to, to break into the lineup, is that a lot of our other center backs, um, and by that I mean Bartlett and Bell, both also push up. And so when you're looking at skill sets that complement each other, having Yarrow with Parker just worked better naturally, because Parker would be free to, to push forward and do a higher press, and then anything that transition that a transition gets past, um, you've got Yarrow being able to kind of sweep and, and, and clear it up. <clears throat> Now, Parker and Nielsen both have excellent instincts, so I think they're going to be fine, but I am very interested to see how their styles work out with that regard and see if they end up doing like a, you know, kind of like a double pivot type of thing. Like if one of them pushes up, the other one starts pulling back to like, you know, balance that out. Um, I'm very, very intrigued by that. And I think Saturday we're going to get to see our best spine of like, like the spine that meets in vision whenever he like built this team. And I'm so excited for it. I'm going to talk about it more when we get to the lineups, but, but yeah, anyway, I thought I agree. I think Nielsen is going to be, I'm excited to see the guy play more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to see him play next to Parker. Mm-hmm. What I'm curious about is if you go back and you look at what we did with Orlando, really, we, we did a back three or we tried mm-hmm. to. We've done that a lot. Lately. Yeah, but if you do a back three, mm-hmm. and you do two wing backs, right? Mm-hmm. At this point true in time, I th- true wing backs. I think your best options are Watts on the right mm-hmm. and Marcanic on the left. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Your three center defenders, and this is where I think you and I might disagree some here. I think your best. I, I think your best lineup for if you do a straight three back is going to be Yarrow on the right. Parker in the middle, Nielsen on the left. Right. Right. I um, don't see Hebert. I don't see Hebert as a long-term, like the long-term solution as a starter on our squad. For a lot of MLS squads, I think he could be a starter at center back. Center back. Mm-hmm. He's not better than Parker. He's not better than Nielsen. And he he's isn't as fast as Yarrow. 
Right. I, I think their on the ball skills are similar, though I feel like Yarrow panics less uh, when he gets into some tight situations yeah. and highlighted tonight against Dallas when he gave the other team a through ball and a one on one with our goalie. Uh, he was re- he was in slash responsible for all three of our goals against Austin. He was a part of the play that broke down. It was his initial guy coming in from the outside. Granted, there was other people like Watts should have cut off that guy. It shouldn't have all been on yeah. Hebert. But he's yeah. shown to me that he is a, to me, a sub player. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he, he 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 deserves a spot on the team. I don't think he's a playoff time starting 11 player. Right. Well, the issue is exactly what you said. He's not a starting player on this squad because we are so deep at center back. And, and like you said, he's different than Watts, right? I think I think Hebert might be a little bit better one-on-one, although Yarrow – or he's different than Yarrow, not Watts. But I think uh, although Yarrow did have some really excellent one-on-one um, defending tonight that I was pretty impressed by, um, I mean, Yarrow is just an impressive guy in general. But, but they just play – He's a big, strong dude. He is a big, strong dude. He is the man that Pete Alonso was – that he was, <laughs> but um, yeah, it just—I think it really is going to come down to where do Neil, Nielsen and Parker want to play if we go to a back three, and and if if neither one of them want to be the left center back, then it's going to be Hebert. If neither one of them want to be the right center back, it's going to be Yarrow, because Nielsen or because Hebert plays on the left and Yarrow plays on the right, and and that's that's totally fine. I do think you've got a great point because I think when you think about where like your left and right center backs are going to move, right? They do have to cover in behind the wing backs because your wing backs are going to be so far forward most of the time. And I think that you have an excellent point there that Yarrow is faster and is going to better be able to cover that space, especially because he's been working closely with Watts for two or three months now. Um, so they've kind of got that chemistry worked out. So I do think initially it, it probably will be Yarrow um, until it, it doesn't work, you know, and then, BC will mix things up and, and whatever. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my my initial thought with it. I do think that Nelson would um, be better in a true wingback role as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think he, you bring up a good point with Nelson, and I didn't think about this, but could be a, a big challenge for Marcanic for a true left wingback role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, Nelson could, could be pushing him for that. Um, and I mean, Pedro, whenever, you know, the limited times we've gotten to watch him, he has looked, you know, same issue with Nelson. Both of them have issues coming back and defending, which when you're playing a left back role, you have to be able to do more. But when you're playing a wing back, like that, that expectation is a little bit less for you. I mean, you still have to do it, obviously. Right. And it's still part of your responsibilities, but the formation naturally makes it different. Um, to kind of go back to how we've been playing the back three. If you notice, um, if you go back and rewatch Romando, if you watch some of the other games, we've been doing that back three in possession a lot. And we have Watts come up on the right, and then it's almost like we have Shroud on the left pull back and play a wing back on the left. Um, but it, I, I think that there's a big difference in uh, skill on the left wing for Stroud compared to those other guys. Um, I think Stroud could probably play it very well on the right wing. Um, but I, I, you know, we've talked about his left foot a lot. Like you can't really have a left wing back or a left winger who can't use his left foot. It just like 
you have That's, to use your left foot. He's got to be able to use his left foot to get crosses through. Right. And he just, again, he, and to me, you know, I actually went back uh, I, over the last few days and just watched snippets mm-hmm. of games earlier in the year. He looked a lot more confident, Stroud did, on the ball early in the year. Yeah, something has absolutely rocked this guy's confidence on the ball, and I don't know what it is because whatever it was early in the year, the guy came, the ball came to his feet, and he looked like he was going somewhere with a purpose. Mm-hmm. And the last few games I've seen him, he just looks like he's dribbling aimlessly and then dumps it off to the back line. Right. Yeah. And so I'm not sure if there's just something mentally, and maybe you know this is going to be a challenge to our our coaching staff to snap him out of it in some way. Because I think the Stroud we had the first few weeks of the, the first four to five weeks of the season is every is every bit deserving of being on our you know either in on our list of subs. The Stroud we've seen the last few weeks is not, and, and so there's that that disconnect there. Yeah, and you know, you know Hebert I... Hebert had a really bad game against Austin. We'll finish up on Hebert here. Really rough game on Austin okay game against Orlando. I don't think he was terrible, but I don't think he was good either. Right. And then he had a pretty rough game tonight in my mind from what I saw him on the ball. The, and the one, their best chance of the night came from Hebert mm-hmm. uh, in the, uh, until, until that until one-on-one late in the game. Out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I think you know, to me, he, he's hit and miss and if if we can play him in a center back role, I think he's going to be fine. Right, playing him as a left back, I think we're setting ourselves up for more of what we've seen the last couple weeks, the last few weeks. Right. Well, so I think I think Hebert does have a role in this team next year as a center back because we're going to be, if things maintain the way they currently are, which they may not, there's still eight games left for us and nine games for LAFC. Um, but we're looking at right now a. Cap champions got spot if the season ended today. And that's going to be a lot of games. And to be able to say like that you can run out and your backup center backs in league play who are still, you know, starting quality is a big thing for next year. Um, I wanted to ask your thought about this. This isn't on the outline, but I've been thinking about this lately, okay, all week about Stroud, okay? Mm-hmm. So first off, I think your beginning of the year thing, I think something that's useful to bring up is that he had such a rough year at Austin and the first game was at Austin, right? So I think you have a bit of a combination of him being highly motivated to show out at Austin to show them what they what they had and didn't use. And then also that um, coach really likes letting guys play against their former teams. He has done it for every single one of them so far. Um now, Bartlett did not play tonight, right? But the first game against Dallas, Bartlett started. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Parker, I don't remember why Parker didn't start that game. Or may, Hebert may have already been on in, at left back at that point. But either way, it doesn't matter. You know, but he's done this routinely throughout the whole year, right? When we play someone's former team, he lets that person play. And get a chance. Nelson against Cincinnati, who Nelson was starting anyway, but Nelson against Cincinnati, you know, blew them up, right? That was a fun game to be at, by the way. It was a fun game to be at. You and I were both there, and uh, yes. that was a great game. 
that way. Um, so you add in Torsen, right? And watching Torsen play, I wonder, is this who they expected and or projected Isaac Jensen to be, right? And so then I'm wondering, okay, so this spot that was, you know, probably possibly expected to be Isaac Jensen's at the beginning of the year, Shroud just pretty much came up and take it because he was motivated and then coach gave him the chance because it was Austin too. And then he just kept outperforming Jensen. And then out of nowhere, Celio comes and jumps Jensen as well. Right. And so, I don't know. I just wanted your thought on that just because I've been thinking about that a lot this week. So I was going to bring up Jensen and I'm glad you did. Mm -hmm. Uh, I agree. I actually had this thought uh, when we got the news that he was being loaned out. Mm -hmm. I had the thought, I was thinking back through our projections and where we thought he would be. Right. We thought he was going to be, he, that's that's his spot. And he right. didn't perform the way he we thought he would. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then Stroud was playing really well early in the year and Celio if you look at Celio's salary for anybody who doesn't know, I think the guy's making like $60,000 this year. Yeah. Yeah. He is, I think the lowest player paid player on our roster. That is like an, was an actual like right. starter level, you know, top, top level player, not, not a city two player. Right. The guy isn't getting paid a lot. He couldn't find a home city took him and we, he's turned into in more than we could have imagined. Mm-hmm. They they did not see, I don't think, Stroud and Celio passing Jensen. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I think this loan for Jensen is the best possible situation for him mm -hmm. because I hope that it gets him starter minutes because he's too good for City 2 mm -hmm. and the competition they're playing. Right. He needs to be he's playing against him. <clears throat> yeah, yeah he, he's not, but he needs to to tighten some things up to play with our, our top, mm -hmm. you know, with our starters. And I hope that this gives him the opportunity to do so. And this is where I think Pedro's right behind him and needing this. Mm -hmm. I think Pedro's somebody that I, I honestly, I was hoping would get loaned out during this the last mm -hmm. this transfer window yeah, and would be able to go somewhere and get some starter minutes because I think mm -hmm. he's the future of our left wing back, left back situation, or he was. Marcanic isn't exactly an old player, and if he keeps playing the way he's playing right. and we're able to hold on to him, you know, Pedro may see himself out of a position. Right. But on the flip side, if Marcanic keeps playing like he's played the last couple of games and starts starting and playing more minutes, there's a good mm -hmm. chance he gets goes somewhere else, Europe or otherwise, mm -hmm. and then it is going to be Pedro's spot, and we need him ready to go, right. and I hope that maybe we can get him loaned out somewhere where he can actually right. see first team minutes uh, at a level that's more competitive. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that. Um, we'll talk more about it when we do our roster construction episode next month. Um, yes. Interestingly, Nelson is one of like eight players who has an, who basically is like signed to one year contracts with, with options, basically club options to renew. And if I remember right, he was the only player from our current squad who the MLSPA listed as a free agent at the end of the year. So I don't know if that means that they've already told him that they're not going to pick up his option, which is a redundant position because we have, you know, three and a half left backs right now. And we have like seven, well, we have six 
technically in the first team, but if you count Michael Denzel on City 2, who has performed very, very well, we have seven MLS-level center backs. Like, like We have a ton of redundancy at those two positions that we need to we need to work out basically, but that's a that's a conversation for another day. Um, what else? So, let's get back into Orlando game here yeah. for a minute. <clears throat> Absolutely, we've we've got off topic, and you and I know that we can do that pretty easily. <clears throat> uh, Early in the game, yeah, it's it's honestly a talent that uh, far too many people have. So early in the game against Orlando, <clears throat> we had a ton of chances. We could not get the ball on net. And this is why, to me, Marcanic's goal tonight was so refreshing. Mm-hmm. Just put the ball on net. Uh, mm-hmm. Nico was just absolutely like the right. slide to try to do it. He tried to spin and kick one or jump and kick one at one point and say, just put your head on the ball and put it redirected, please. Mm-hmm. And his shoulder injury, uh, watching it live, I'm just want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there. Uh, if Giacchini ever listens to this, uh, Nico, trust me, man, this isn't personal, but it straight looked like you were trying to embellish a foul and dove and land on your shoulder and hurt it. At least to me, um, uh, your thoughts. I mean, I thought the contact was real, but he is, he has shown that he goes down easy a lot this year. Um, I do think that things that other players get fouls for, he does not get fouls for because I think the refs have kind of caught on to the fact that he goes down easily. Um, and, and that's part of the game. And like, this is their livelihood. It's not how I like to think that I would play if I was in MLS. Um, but I'm not going to knock them for doing it because like getting a foul in a dangerous spot where Edu can, you know, curl, curl one into a back corner and win the game. Like, like I get it. It's, it's their, it's their job, but, but yeah, but then like he stayed down and then like when he got up, like, at first, I was like, okay, like, okay, Nico went down. He just went down, like, whatever, you know, went back to whatever else I was doing while watching. But then, like, I noticed, I was like, wait, they're still evaluating. And then he, he gets up, and he goes off to the side of the field, and you can see him. He's kind of walking around. And then eventually, they let him back back in, which, by the way, it was complete crap that they let the Orlando player back in while the ball was in play at what when that happened in the second half. That, that just it, yeah, it was the second half, but yeah, there was yeah. a ball three feet from him, and he came back into play, which should not have happened. But apparently, if you watch the replay, he was given the okay to go in before okay. that, right? But right. they it's should have ball. stopped. But they should have stopped him when the play came to him because he had not yet entered play. Right. That's another story, whole other issue. Yeah. Right. Anyway, but, but yeah, and then watching the whole rest of the first half, Nico was very clearly favoring the one shoulder. Um, I heard in, in Coach's press conference um, on Monday that he said that Nico's shoulder was better than expected when they evaluated it again on Monday morning. Um, and I heard that when Nico came out, like, there were fans, like, waving to him and, like, you know, trying to ask him, like, if he was okay. And, like, he was giving him, like, a thumbs-up sign, like, no, like, I'll, I'm going to be okay. Um, the night the actual announcers on the on the game actually mm-hmm. had said that they – that Carnell had confirmed that he'd be available for Saturday. Right, right. I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Bruce Dacey joined or, or something, you know, he's our leading goal scorer. So it really sucked with him, especially because he was so dynamic with Klaus early in the year. Um, but yeah, it's just good to know that he's not hurt, that he's, he's going to be back. I think, and this is, you know, a big piece here. 
So initially I did, I thought I was like, he's trying to get a good foul. He's trying to get a good position and laid out and landed on his shoulder. But if you actually watch the replay, there is a hand in his back pushing him down. So I, Mm -hmm. I don't disagree that he was probably trying to get the foul and every, any good soccer player would Mm -hmm. try to get that foul when you get hacked like that. But there was a definite arm push that threw his momentum off. And I think that's, it was actually the arm push in his back that caused that. Mm-hmm. Sure. I can see that. So here's a fun thing. We talked earlier a few minutes ago. Blom, when he's out, we don't have a good answer. Mm-hmm. But if you could only pick three center backs when Blom's out, who do you pick in your choice? You know, you know. Who, who do you pick, right? Do you do you pick? Is it is it Az Luven Indy? Is it Perez? Mm-hmm. Is it you know somebody else that you bring in? Who do you think it is? I think, and we talked about this earlier. I think it's Az Luven Indy when Blom's out. Mm-hmm. But who, but then when Blom's healthy, who do you start? Oh, you, you do exactly what coach has done, you know, when against Orlando and did tonight. Indy sits, and that sucks. But here, there's two reasons why. Number one, I think AZ is a little bit more direct with it, with how pacey he is, because I think Indy runs a lot, and he is rather quick. But sometimes he kind of has the same effect that Stroud does, where he's kind of running aimlessly, it seems like. Um, whereas I think AZ is like, like when he chooses the direction, he just he goes, and he doesn't like... There's not like a lot of like him just kind of running around. It's very pointed with what he's trying to do. Um, in addition to the fact that I think AZ is, is substantially faster, probably, than uh, Indy. Um, the other thing is I think Indy gives you a lot of flexibility later in the game, positionally. <clears throat> so as a super sub, he's an excellent option there. Um, and the third thing is I don't think they're looking to sell um, – Indy, but I do think that they are aware that they will not be keeping AZ for past next season um, if he continues on the current trajectory that he's on. Um, and part of that is giving him minutes so he can develop and you can maximize his value. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Minnesota, when we traded the GAM for AZ, um, Minnesota negotiated a 20% sell-on clause, which is significant, to say the least. Um, so, you know, if we're going to get any money that's actually like useful to us for, for moving him on and developing, we have to really maximize his value before we do that. So here's my thoughts. First thing you hit on, I think Indy coming in as a sub Mm -hmm. or being available as a sub gives us way more flexibility because I think Indy can play way more spots. He can play offensively. He can play defensively. He can play outside if we need him to where. I think AZ is at his best and truly only really up top or in center offensive, you know, as an offensive mm-hmm. center midfielder. Right. Right. The other piece, you know, that you, you touched on is you talked about uh, AZ being more direct and that uh, Indy does it, isn't as direct. He's more like Stroud. I see Indy and the runs that he makes more as Leuven and the runs that he was making tonight and where they make 
Indy and Leuven make those runs and those they're constantly running, but they're making runs that not necessarily the rest of our players are aware enough to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, and, and it's not to say that they won't be able to take advantage of them and, you know, in the future, but as it stands right now, AZ gives us a better straightforward approach, which is what our team plays very well to. And I think he will, AZ will continue to be the guy additionally because of the option to sell. I think we're going to keep Indy long-term and I think that's it. That's a huge thing. You know, and, and Indy came on a little bit slow when he came out against Orlando, but as the game went on, I mean, we all saw the banger off the post and I mean, the guy got, the fact that that didn't go in was killing me. And I was hoping that he would get a better, another look tonight. He didn't, but I hope that he gets there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And I do think that Indy's play style is more like Leuven's than Shroud's uh, overall. <clears throat> and not just because of the, the set piece and the ability to for free kicks, but, um, you know, I do think that Indy is like the small version of Leuven. Right. And I do, and I do mean the small version of Lubin because Lubin is a very big guy and he plays like a big guy. You know, he, he plays very physical and I don't think Indy has that ability. Um, but yeah, let's, let's kind of move on to that. How did you feel about Big Sam and Torreson for that game? So compl- similar to Big Sam tonight, I felt like mm-hmm. Big Sam was invisible again tonight. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is the last two games that I've seen him. I thought the guy was playing absolutely lights out and then came into Austin, came off the break and looked lights out again. Part of me wonders if he's just going to be a better as a sub than a starter mm-hmm. where he comes into that change of pace where, they, again, we talked about the back line being run down already and he comes in and changes the pace. But Torreson was, was invisible as well. He came out at halftime to replace Giochini. Mm-hmm. He didn't do anything against Orlando, um, which is why I think tonight meant so much for me to see him playing and see him involved in so much, both offensively and defensively. I felt like all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is this is the Thorson we, we traded, we went for. This is the guy that we went out and got on during our transfer window. Uh, what were your thoughts on them? Um, I don't really have anything to add on Thorson. I, I think that's just perfectly explained it, but for Big Sam, I don't think we use him the way we should be using him. I don't think he should. I don't think he necessarily excels as the center forward target number nine as much, even though he is a big guy. But like, if you notice, we're not like when Klaus is the center forward, we send that ball to Klaus like every time. And he, you know, hits it with his head and redirects it, redirects it, or it bounces down off his chest to his feet for him to redirect. And we don't seem to do that with Big Sam. And I don't know if that's because he can't or if we just don't for some reason. But the other thing is when you think about Sam's free play and open play, his his most magical moments have always been, you know, when there's, you know, open field in front of him and we get that ball into that space and let him just take off. And so if we're going to do that, we need to start delivering some through balls for him to chase down. And um, even if he doesn't get them, I think he's very, very fit. I think he's, you know, got the ability to probably do that for most of a game. Um, whereas some of the center backs that we go up against, I don't think can. And I think, like, if you're going to do, like, have him out there, that's what you need to be doing. And it, it's, we need to adapt our play style to fit his strengths versus trying to fit him into the Klaus and the Nico Joachini box because he's not them. He's different. 
I think it was really interesting and, and highlight want to highlight with Big Sam is one I agree with what you said, but then with the back on Thorson, I was thinking mm-hmm. about this and watching back, <clears throat> he didn't look comfortable on the field in our in our system. Mm-hmm. If you watch that game against Orlando, Klaus is current constantly pointing, and so is Leuven. You need to be here. You need to go here. This is where you're supposed to be. And I think he just felt more confident, potentially mm-hmm. watching game film, whatever else this week. I think what would have been a, a better sub over Thorson if we really wanted to win Orlando, and I think you and I have talked about this before, and again, it's not going to come as any surprise that I'm going to say we should have played this guy, but <laughs> I would have loved to have seen Celio offensively. Yeah, yeah. Um, because also- at, he, he just he's so good on the ball. He's one of the few guys to me. And if you watch our team, we have a lot of guys who are really great at quick passes and touch and run and receive the ball and then touch and run and receive the ball and quick passes. We don't have a lot of guys who can dribble the ball and just beat somebody one-on-one. Right. And Celio is that guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Lubin can do it, but he's, he's, he's not as quick with it, right? He's very much... I don't know. It's different. And I, I can't really explain it, but when you watch him make guys miss, it's very different than the way Celio does it. But that's also yes. not Lubin's game. Lubin's game is is really about passing the ball appropriately. Um, he can dribble it, but it's not Germans. what he looks to do. Yeah. Um, just because we're, we're kind of getting on time here, the last thing I wanted to talk about, and it, it just is what it is, the penalty suck, the handball suck. It's like yeah, it's his hands away from his body, and the whole natural position thing is just dumb. Like, of course, your arm is going to be there when you fall, but that, that's what it is. And like, he didn't really have time to react, and it just sucks that it's so inconsistent compared to like the the previous week against Austin. We had one exactly like that in the box that didn't get called, and like, I just want consistency. That's that's my issue with it. I'm not mad about the Marcanic penalty. I'm mad that we got Marcant. Orlando's given a penalty against Marcant from the Marcantic handball, but we didn't get a penalty for the Austin handball. Right. And I think, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that. The ruling, the FIFA ruling is ridiculous. They've changed it, I don't know, five, six years, 10 years ago. I don't know what it was. It used to be, you know, intent was also there, right? Like if your right. hand was just sitting there and it was kicked into your hand, no matter where it was sitting, if you weren't looking kind of thing, couldn't be your fault. Um, <clears throat> you know, so there was, you know, a time where if you're looking back at the goalie and you're pointing to, hey, this is what's going on. Somebody kicked it in your hand. It's not a handball. But in today's, now it is. Um, <clears throat> the thing that I really want to highlight, and this is something that I didn't think I would talk about, was how well as a whole the game was refereed tonight against Dallas. I think we need more refs like the ref we had tonight. That guy was phenomenal. I think he did a good job of letting people know. And at the same time, you know, he had people get in his face and you could see the the confidence in his body language and everything else. He wasn't going to back down. On the flip side, you know, he wasn't afraid. You know, we got a stupid yellow card for Indy's Mm-hmm. kicking the ball away we weren't warned warned for time wasting ahead of that but you know we, we should have known ahead of everything else mm-hmm. and so i think 
I think outside of the player, the left back for for uh, kicking the ball, Dallas kicking the ball out back into the field of play, essentially, that he did a great job tonight. And I think we need we need who all the refs in MLS need to watch the game tonight and in any game this guy's refed. And from the sounds of it, you know, listening to the announcers tonight and. I don't know who our announcers were on Apple play on uh, Apple TV tonight, but they were a couple of my favorite ones that I've had um, as a whole. Careful with that. People, people do not like them. <laughs> uh, I, he did say timeout though. He did say dos acero tonight and not two acero. So uh, he stayed Spanish the whole way through. <laughs> it does drive me nuts when he says two acero and he goes to Spanglish instead of English or Spanish. Just pick one, my man. Right. But as a whole, as far as the way they called the game, uh, I thought they did a good job. And then as a, I think that they also highlighted how well this referee has done throughout the year mm-hmm. yeah. and consistency and letting, I think he called the big fouls. I think the little things he, on both ways, there was times that I was like, that could have been a foul, but at the same time, he wasn't calling it either way. So I'm okay with it. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I think there's a lot of issues. Right. Oh yeah, definitely with MLS roughing. Yeah, I thought he was very consistent. Um, I thought he did a great job of letting him play. Um, you know, he wasn't quick to pull out the yellow for for blatant fouls, which like we foul a lot. But uh, you know, I agree that um, that Stroud ultimately deserved the yellow. But if you look, Stroud's yellow was not for that foul; it was for accumulation because he, you know, he'd been counting off to Stroud every time. He he fouled and was like, that's your first one, that's your second one. Well, this is your third, here's your yellow. Like, I can live with that, right? Like, I want them to be able to play. We play physically. This is how we need to go. Um, and so if the games that we struggle in is when the rest, like, take that away from us by not letting anything, you know, letting there be no contact, basically. Um, but, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me for the Orlando game. Um, did you have anything else that you wanted to touch on? I, I didn't, um, you know, I, I highlighted my things. So what about, okay, so we've got guys coming back healthy. It sounds like uh, Nico's, you know, Giochini's not going to miss much time. So if you had to start the playoffs, who's your starting 11, right? Mm-hmm. I've, I've got an easy first few, right? Berkey's going to be my goalie. Right. Uh, and if you have Berkey on your team and he's not your goalie, there's something wrong. You're going to have Nielsen and Parker. You're going to have Blom and Leuven. You're going to have Klaus. I know what my spine of my team looks like. Mm-hmm. Who is the rest of the team? I think Alm has to be in there. I think he's proven time and time again he has the motor, he has the energy, and he brings something mm-hmm. extra to the team mm-hmm. that nobody else can replicate. I don't know what it is about his energy and the way he plays. I don't know that he's that much faster than anybody else in the field. But God, yeah, the think... way he f- swings his arms... I swear to God, he's faster than anyone else on the field. He definitely looks um, like he's faster. So I, I see Alms, Alm, I see Watts, I see Marcanic, I see AZ, uh, and I see potentially Indy. And, you know, and, and this is where, you know, maybe unpopular could be also Thorson after tonight. He looked much better. But I see Indy or Thorson on the left side mm-hmm. as a starter. And then I see either Big Sam or Nico up top with Klaus. Mm-hmm. That's think, that's my opinion. I, I, what do you think? 
I'm curious because I know you you have a lot of thoughts, and that's just based on the way that they've been playing for the season, right? If they change formations, that could change things, obviously. Yeah, I think it just depends on how you want to tactically line up and who's in the most form with regards to the attackers. I think you 100% hit on the guys who will always play, right, if they are fit. Um, Berkey will always play. Nielsen and Parker will always play. Lieben and Blom will always play. Klaus will always play. Um, I think our fullback, our right-back position is very clearly Watts's right now. Um, and I think it, the left-back position is on its way to moving towards Marcanic. Um, I think right now I would prefer Marcanic until he shows that he can't play defensively for us. Um, I think he's added so much of a different dynamic into our attack that right now it's good. And he's willing to give up his face as long as he can get his hand out of the way to save the ball. So That's right. That's right. Um, and then I think and, and Klaus will always be your starter. And so who does that give? That gives me three more positions, right? And I think you just rotate through based on form and fitness and, and how you want to tactically line up. Um, I do think we are better when Alm plays most of the time. Not always, but most of the time. Um, but that just kind of, it just depends on what, how you think you can attack the other team uh, with my regards. And, and I, um, I want that. I would rather have a flexible team with our attack than, um, than say we're going to run out the same 11 guys every time. Um, I want us to be able to adapt and do that. So that's my thought. I think that's solid. Something I want to highlight tonight. I was watching Parker play, and he seemed to have bags under his eyes. Do you think any of that has to do with the fact that he probably hasn't slept if he has a newborn at home? Uh, so uh, for those of you who didn't know, Parker just had a baby, uh, Rory Ryan Parker. And I don't know if we could fill, fit any more R's in that name right now, but that's what he decided to do. So... Uh, Congratulations Bye. to our boy, to our boy uh, Parker, and uh, maybe I can snag some of your pilsner as well if I can ever find it. That's right. Um, yeah, I was planning on this on us drinking some of this tonight, and last night did not go as planned. Yeah, that kid could not be more Irish if he tried. Name is Irish. If he got Parker's red hair, like he's gonna just be like he's just so stereotypical Irish in my head. Um. Uh, I only have like two more things I want to talk about. I know we're going a little long. Um, the first is kind of roster news. So as you mentioned earlier, we we did loan Isaac Jensen out for a year um, to Danish club uh, B-Board, I believe. I don't know if I'm correct, but that's where it's at. Uh, it's a great move for him. It's back to, you know, first uh, first division soccer. Um, I think he's going to be getting some, some good minutes there, it sounds like. Um, if we, even if all we end up doing is selling him for his current value, uh, I think we, you know, we'll be making money on that. And I think that no matter what happens, I can only see this being a good thing uh, for him. Uh, the other thing, so we have an international window coming up. Uh, the U.S. men's national team is playing in the St. Louis, for those of you who do not know. Uh, but the South African team is playing somewhere. And I don't know where, but I do know that they did not call Blom up. Uh, for it, which sucks for him. Uh, I don't know why they did not call him up, but um, for us being selfish uh, St. Louis City fans, it means we do not have to give him up because as of right now, MLS does play through international windows. 
Um, although Tatamatinos did drop a little bit of a news bomb today um, or yesterday that MLS is probably changing that next year, basically because Miami does not want to play without Messi uh, <laughs> when Argentina is playing. Um, yeah, and I, he, he was on the preliminary the roster, though. So even though he didn't get called up, he's in consideration, and that's a concerning thing for me. <clears throat> a couple other things that I would like to highlight before we get into just quick KC stuff for this week, uh, leading into this week and this Saturday. City 2, there's been a lot of stuff put out there recently, and those of you who follow City 2 or follow City closely will know this, but, I mean, there's stuff signing. These players are staying late after the games. They're running into the – they're going up to the fans. They're taking pictures. They're signing autographs. And I think that's just so great. Uh, you know, Celio, who's really realistically been a, a first-team player all year, there's somebody had posted uh, that I saw that he stayed – considerably late to sign any autograph that kiddos wanted was taking all the pictures they wanted and just loving life. And I think it's a huge thing. Uh, the other thing is LAFC and St. Louis city and the race for the West mm-hmm. after tonight, we're seven points clear because they lost against good old Charlotte. Who, if you guys don't remember was our home opener and all of its glory that we beat. So I for sure thought LAFC was going to win this game. Uh, I think John did as well from what him and I have talked about. Yeah, had it written in black ink and Sharpie that LAFC <laughs> was going to blow them out. And uh, that's not what happened. And I'm very thankful. Which saved us with us losing to Orlando. With us winning tonight, we've played one more game to them than them, but we are seven points ahead. So we're looking good uh, coming into the home stretch for that. Uh, and again, that's huge for us for any of that didn't know, not just for playoff seating, but for we really realistically need to be top of the West if we want to qualify for a Champions League Cup next year. Mm-hmm. Right. So KC's this do... weekend, and we'll get into that. You have any other thoughts on the the playoff race? Yeah, I just wanted to say so with us being seven points clear, so that means that they basically have to win three games more than us. In their last nine games, and and that's beginning to look like rather difficult um, to do. Uh, the earliest we could clinch right now is either September thirtieth against Kansas City, or October fourth when we play at Vancouver. Um, LA has a few extra games in us midweek later in the season, so I have to kind of figure out how that would work. Um, but with the seven point gap. We, we could have this locked down before we go into decision day against Seattle, which would be, which would be just great. Um, but yeah, anyway, on to Kansas City. Speaking of Kansas City, it'd be great if we could clinch and beat Kansas City to clinch the West right there at the end of September. That's great. At home against Kansas City. So uh, as you put it, the Darby Q 2.0, uh, Darby Q 1.0 was great for us. Loved it. This, uh, hope it's the same. I was uh, trying to land, I was trying to schedule a trip actually to go to Kansas City this weekend to go see a game, and uh, my plans fell through sadly. Uh, but I was ready to go for my birthday weekend and enjoy a beautiful St. Louis City win down at Kansas in Kansas City. It sounds like there may be as many city fans as there's Kansas City fans at this game, yeah, yeah. It- uh, I mean, it was like Chicago, right? There were tons of St. Louis fans at Chicago. 
<clears throat> yeah, I think it's it's going to be a great game. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, the atmosphere in Kansas City is known as one of the better ones in MLS, especially because in this game, um, if you're from St. Louis, you're probably aware that Kansas City has a bit of a little brother complex with us. Um, and so <laughs> I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a fun one. I I'm excited for it. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's going to be a blast, and, and I can't wait. And as the uh, Luligans, the St. Luligans, which is a uh, city fan group, have pointed out, if you did not know, Kansas City's barbecue lacks flavor. Flavor, uh, and they sell shirts that say such. So if you are interested, please go look out for those. I have one of those in order. I need to go pick it up uh, sooner than later. When we get into lineup predictions, my big question for you: not so much on who's going to play. Mm-hmm. Are there any players you think that you, we won't see on Saturday? Jake Zimmerman's team. <laughs> still suspended. Uh, for his I, red card, which we didn't even touch on in the Orlando game. His yellow card and his red card simulation. So let me refresh. <laughs> Are there any players that you don't think we will see based on them playing potentially the last two games? I wonder if we will see Parker and... Nielsen in center backs, and we see Yarrow on the bench, and Mark mm-hmm. Canick on the left after Hebert started the last two. That's what I expect. Yes, yeah, so I expect it to be Mark um, just to give him a run out, give him a shot at the starting spot. Um, and then I do think it'll be Nielsen and Parker. Parker did not play in Orlando. Nielsen did not play tonight. Um, Watts uh, is going to have to play because we don't have any other option for him. And, I mean, he was subbed out at, like, the 70th minute both games. So, I mean, played two-thirds-ish of the game of both games. You know, give him a light day tomorrow, rejuvenate, give him Friday, light day. He'll be okay. It'll just be his cardio for the week, basically. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the other option is we could play – Blom or Stroud at right back, I guess, but I'd rather just be Watts and not because I don't want to leave Blom from the midfield and I don't want Stroud to play there with Watts being as informed as he is. Um, I do, I think we'll see Nico. I could see Sam Adinaran not playing or maybe being on the bench or being a sub later in the game. I don't think he'll start. Uh, if Nico's not fit to start, that changes it. But if, if Nico's shoulders feeling fine, I think I think he starts. Yeah, I have a I have a couple players that I that I'm curious about, and we'll see how they play out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Leuven, I think they start Leuven because they have to, but mm-hmm. I wonder if they sub Leuven off on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Halftime sub. Easy Jackson, I wonder if he starts on the bench and they start Indy. In his spot. Yeah, because he did play practically his full game. Eh, 60, 70 he, he just He just essentially played two full games in, in a few days. So I wonder if he they start. A lot. And I wonder if they start AZ or start Indy over AZ. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. And then my last one is I wonder if they start Torson on the left side over Stroud or not. And it'll be interesting to see and whether or not Celio, who surprisingly has not even been listed as a bench player the last few games uh, cracks the, the roster and they, they line up. And again, you know, I'm going to take any chance I can to talk about Celio. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to have to start doing a Celio counter 
Uh, I could also see Ostra starting off as the uh, central attacking midfielder. Um, just because I think he lines up there more than Indy does typically for us. Not to say that Indy can't or anything. It's just normally we put Ostruck in that spot whenever he's available. So, yeah. We're, we're going to have to come back to this on, on Saturday night once we, once we see. Yeah. So, for those of you guys who haven't already, please subscribe, follow, and uh, look for our posts going forward. We're currently on YouTube and Spotify. We've got a Facebook page and Facebook group for those of you looking. We're hoping to be on Apple Podcasts soon, and we hope to have more of you following us sooner than later. So give us a like and subscribe to keep more of our content coming, Uh, although we'll probably continue putting it out either way because I love pestering John. Uh, John, any final thoughts before we sign off? Nope. I uh, am all thoughted out right now. Sounds great. Alrighty, for all you guys, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and uh, look forward to our next episode, which will be completely focused on the St. Louis Cardinals and all of their glory, question mark. Hope I to mean, see you I, then. I think we won a series. We, we, hey, we've won two in a row as of tonight. So for those of you who are curious, there's some positive news. Until next time, we're the, we're the Lunatic Sports Podcast. We'll see you then.